Hello, friends, and welcome to There's No People Like Show People, the podcast that connects and reconnects the theater community, inspires hope, and strives to help people not feel so alone. I am your host, Sarah Philobom. Hello, friends. We are thrilled to be back. Whether it's your first time listening to our podcast or you've listened to every single episode, we are so glad that you're here. There are so many ways to support There's No People Like Show People. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This really helps us out. Follow us on Instagram at There's No People Like Show People and check out our sister podcast called Transformation, the Untold Stories of Motherhood at Transformation Motherhood Pod. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. Honest storytelling is truly transformative and what we need most in the world is community and connection. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Oh, hey, friends. Hello. We are here today. We are here. We're always here. Even if we're not here, we're just somehow we're still we're still here. And, you know, we really are because if we're not recording or if a new episode doesn't come out, there's still like 130 some episodes that you can listen to at any any time of the day, any day of the week. You wake up in the middle of the night and you can't sleep and you're like, hmm, I really want a, a glass of milk and some cookies and Maybe I'll just like listen to some random episode of There's No People Like Show People. We 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 encourage it here. Um, I'm super excited because our guest today, we have a lot of really exciting things to talk about. She actually has an upcoming solo show, um, which is being directed by a past guest here on the podcast. And we're going to get into that. She currently describes herself as a recovering singer, actor, mover, which I think is hilarious um, because, yeah, sometimes the, you you reach back into the past and you're like, wow, some of these memories were a little bit traumatizing. Um, so yeah, just, let's just like jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Melissa Rosenberg. Hello. How are you? How are you today? (laughs) I'm good. I'm 12 inches of hair lighter and two weeks to a show and loving this sort of end of season summer weather we're having today lovely yeah she just got her hair cut and it looks so cute <laughs> it's got this it's like a cute little like shoulder length it's got these it's like flipping out looks adorable guys and I'm like looking at my like scraggly hair that I haven't got gotten cut in like almost a year and I'm like wow okay <laughs> and the next thing choice. I'm gonna do is schedule a haircut <laughs> I recommend um I feel like before before we get too uh deep in let's like I like to start at the beginning like where where are you from where did you grow up um like how did you first get into the arts and do you remember the very first show that you did yeah um so I am from Austin Texas via upstate New York um so and I'm currently in Chicago that's my sensible trajectory. Um, But I 
I think what got me into theater was that I was always singing. And so I think that was my avenue into doing musical theater. Um, I remember being in choir. I sang um, all of the like music. I went to sleepaway camp and I remember music being like such a huge part of that. And I would like love all of the times that we got to do music and they did a big like production with all the kids. Um, I will say that my first show ever was playing the color yellow in a Gary Rosen show. He was like a a child singer songwriter, and I was selected to appear for one of his colors songs about like I think it was like mixing colors. <laughs> Oh. oh boy. There's a photo. I'll send it to you. It's great. Um, and that was like when I was like four, but I think the first like show I did was at this camp and we did Annie and I was star to be. So that's how that happened. And then, um, I just started getting really involved in, in it in, you know, middle school, I sang a lot. And then in high school is when I kind of realized, Oh, you can like do this. Um, I was a part of a musical theater, like pre-professional training troupe, I guess. And we would go on the weekends and I would just spend all day at the studio. And we did like lots of performances throughout the city. And then there would always be like a big summer production that we would do. So that sort of got me into the groove and kind of the professionalism that it takes to understand theater as a young artist. And that's, I think, what launched into my quote unquote career of professional theater. Yes. Amazing. So then like, how did you decide, um, you know, like what you were going to major in and where you were going to go to college and how was your college experience? Ha <laughs> Um, <laughs> I re- vividly remember there was a one day where I was a junior, so this is pretty late in the game, but the seniors who had just, um, gone through the audition process, um, spoke in this said training group just to like describe their process and how it happened and what they did in terms of the research. And that's kind of when the light bulb went off that I was like, oh, Wow this is like a total path I can take. And so pretty late in the game, started putting together a list of schools and like interests. I was really torn between studying theater or studying just like classic voice because those two were always my big things. And um, through the audition process, I found that I was getting into more theater schools. So I thought, huh, okay, this must be sort of where I'm landing. And so that's the direction I'm going to choose. I went to Millican University. um, I think sort of at the peak of when their programming was transitioning, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they got some big people in the mix. And so their program was really strengthening. Um, I would say I got a really good education um, I also had kind of a traumatic theater school life, uh, theater school is not for everyone. And while I loved the knowledge I received, it was certainly a challenging time. Um, 
but it definitely taught me a lot of resilience and how to just keep going, which is a little bit about what my show is about, which I know we'll talk about later. Yeah. Like, what do you think are some of the biggest things that you have really struggled with? Like, Dev, I always say like with this career, but also just like being an artist in general. Totally. Um, I think the biggest struggle, and this is just all encompassing, is the self-confidence piece because um, you have to push other people's perspective out of the way to persevere like 79% of the time. (laughs) Um, I think half the battle is like showing up, but then being able to trust yourself and your talent and your skill and your preparation and tuning everything else out Um, I think a lot of times it has nothing to do with the people behind the table. Like oftentimes they're rooting for you to be the solution to their casting needs and, you know, their colleagues and, and just the answer. And it's more about the people inside your head. Mm. Um, so like when I was young, I was part of this group and, you know, you were only good if you were like a little 10 year old belter, like belter whiz kid, you can do that. And that's not necessarily like where my skill set lies. And so for years, despite that I had like far more range and could like sing more things and like mix with the best of them, I thought that I was not good because I was being told this is how you have to sing in order to be, you know, get that solo and sing this song. And so that is sort of what started it all. I tried to like really alter my voice, um, likely in an unhealthy way. <laughs> uh, Cause when you're 12, who knows? And yeah. Um, yeah, I just, for years, I focused on what my voice wasn't instead of like really honing in on my individual skill set. And then, you know, cut to college. Um, After four years of like really intense training and uh, just everything that goes into that theater school life, my professors told me I couldn't sing right as I was about to leave, uh, you know, to pursue this craft. And I'll never forget that day. And I just, it was like in that moment that like, I just decided if I'm going to do this, I have to do it for me. And I can't, to the best of my ability, let these outside people control what I, I think I can do. And that's not always easy. A <laughs> uh, lot of lot of slaying vampires, and some days aren't always great. But I think it's mostly about getting up and telling yourself every day on those audition days, on those show days, on the days you're not feeling as confident that like you got this, and in some way or another, you've trained to do this. And if you believe in yourself, then that's all 
that's important because to someone you will be someone's answer. Yeah. Well, and also like what a, what a horrible thing to tell you right as you're about to graduate. Yeah. From- timing, timing <laughs> wasn't great there. Not, not at all. <laughs> that's awful. Like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry that you hey. went through that. Like, you're like, I've been, you realize I've been going to this school for like the past three, four years. And now all yeah. of a sudden you're like, oh, well you can't sit. Also like whatever. And like, you look at some of like the most famous iconic people. They're not like God's gift to sing. Like Carol Channing, is she a great singer? Absolutely not. <laughs> but like everybody loves her. And she's a star. So, <laughs> you know, I, I actually like, I always love when people, um, don't really I like identify as like a, a a strong singer and they just kind of like speak sing things it's great it, it's like so much more like charactery absolutely and like I think like now to be completely honest I resonate so much more with like the acting like I would much rather see someone who is giving me everything they got acting through a song sometimes than I would someone who just sings everything beautifully now if it's all together in a package even better but like I want to see the story and that's always been a compelling thing to me well yeah I mean it should be about the storytelling first anyway right (laughs) 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 Not, not like how many riffs you can put into a song or how high you can belt you know name names but yeah I don't know like whatever. Um, well, I also love that. Like, I feel like you you do a lot of things. Um, and actually, we met. Uh, you said like earlier before we started recording, you're like, oh, just like that weird girl I met on a bus one time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Did we ever do the tour together or no? No, because we played the same part. Yeah, yeah. So we um we're talking about the national tour of a Christmas Carol here, and we both played Mrs. Fezziwig, so we were never on the same tour together. It's true, but we made up for that in spirit. Yes, and I think I came to I came to see you on the tour. Yes, I think time. you did. Oh yeah, and we just like hung out after we, the show. Yeah, yeah, I'm having like flashbacks. Yeah, I, that's I think there's a photo of us somewhere. There, there, oh, it was in Ohio with Travis. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Was yeah. On the tour I, that year. I, I came to visit Travis, and I think there's a photo of you, me, and Stephen Sitzman together. I think that's um, true. And and Sit- Sitzman, or I call him Sitzy, has also been a past guest on this podcast. It's all full circle. We're all, yeah, all great yeah. people. Yeah. Um. How do you like? How do you? Well, oh, oh wait, oh, wait. Before we get into this, I was just thinking. Um. Because you also do like arts administration and fundraising and development work. Would you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I like to say development just happened to me. Um, I was actually uh, in a production at a theater in Fort Worth and um, was approached by their development director because she just thought that I don't know if maybe she was like stalking me in like a meet and greet or something. I don't know, but she (laughs) she liked my energy and I was low key doing sort of that work um, for another company at the time, um, though I didn't realize that 
it was all linked. And so I ended up leaving uh, to go to this company and just sort of dove right in. It was a team of two. So I just learned all the ins and outs about fundraising for the arts. And I currently um, have now worked at three or four different institutions. I'm currently uh, the special events and development operations manager at Hubbard Street Dance in Chicago, which is very cool. I love that it's still rooted in the arts, but like Oh boy, she's not a dancer, but I love supporting the incredible artists and I work on everything from all of our like donor stewardship events to like planning our big fundraising gala every year. Um and then, you know, just keeping track of of the of our team's many many projects to make sure that they happen. So yeah, that's my, my day-to-day life over here in Chicago. Um, that's amazing. I like, how would you, I mean, like I've been to Chicago a couple times. I've auditioned for a few things in Chicago. Again, this was a long time ago, but I've never really, and I guess like my, my resume sort of always looked like I was based in the Chicago area, but I, huh. but I never was because <laughs> I had cause, like, I worked like at a lot of theaters, like in Illinois, sure. Indiana, oh, like, yeah. a lot of, it's like Rocky Mountain Rep would have their um, auditions in Chicago every year. And they're like, oh, you live in Chicago right I'm like I don't I'm like I don't really live anywhere I'm like I don't really even know where I live it was like a decade of like I I live wherever the next person gives me a job like that's where I live I kind of went from contract to contract like how would you describe the Chicago theater scene environment for like from your experience of auditioning or going to see shows or going to see shows that your friends are in like like how would you sum up the Chicago vibe I think Chicago is an incredibly artist-friendly city. Um, There are so many, well, I should say, this is pre-pandemic, as we must make that disclaimer nowadays, but there is so much opportunity. There is so much kindness in the room when you're auditioning and I think there's like a genuine rapport for actors. Um, I think we have each other's back here and it's a very tight knit community. Um, and while it's challenging to break in um, as any place would be, I think there's like a welcoming atmosphere. And like I said before, like People want you to be their answer. They want you to come in and nail it and then spark relationships from there. And I think like my biggest goal when I was doing professional theater, like more full time was like, if an organization asked me back to do another show, that was like the biggest compliment ever. And that was always my goal. And I think of all the organizations I've worked for in the city, I think almost everyone I've had multiple opportunities. So they want to cultivate that relationship based based on your work, but also just they're mostly kind and um, so talented. The city is so freaking talented. It's outrageous. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I, I always felt like 
um when I lived in New York, like going to auditions in New York City was very, very different than going to auditions in Chicago. And in Chicago, I just felt like you it, you had a much better chance of actually being seen at things. Uh, I, I agree. The challenging part, funnily enough, is I could go into Actors' Equity. I'm EMC. So I had a small leg up, but I was never worried about being seen in the day. Like almost always I would, or people would stay after to see you. Um, The funny part for me is submitting electronically back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, That was actually harder to get an appointment slot sometimes than it was just to like show up at an equity call. So that's the struggle or was the struggle for me. Yeah. Um, How do you define success? thought a lot about this one Um, because I think it changes, but I think what I've learned is that success is two parts. Um, One is like being balanced and the other is being happy. And I think, you know, you only get one life and as artists, we don't get to dictate our schedule and it's not your standard nine to five every day. We don't really get vacation days unless we're not gassed. And then we're just like scrambling to get that next contract. So when we do get the opportunity to be in a show, it's amazing, but it also means that because we can't plan those dates or when we're doing it, we actually sacrifice a lot that, you know, how many weddings have I missed? How many friends can I not see when they're coming through? Or how many vacations can't I go on? You know, I, I wanted a dog like my whole life. That's not realistic when you are on tour and you don't have a stable income sometimes or a stable roof above your head because you're constantly changing. So I think, um, it's amazing the feeling of being booked back to back to back. But if you are looking around and that's not fulfilling you, then it's not success. So I learned that I kind of wanted a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. And so learning to say no to theater opportunities sometimes was my success. Um, I went to Europe for a year. I had to turn down contracts to do that and sort of pause that part of my life to get a more holistic view of the world for something that I wanted for me. Like I could never change that choice. And it was so challenging in the moment to be like, I'm saying no to a show for the next three months or whatever, but I got to see the world. So, um, yeah, I think there's a balance and then it all comes back to if you are not happy, even if you're cast wherever multiple times and you're looking around and you're miserable, I don't know that that's successful. So making sure that I'll use my same percentage, 79% of the time <laughs> you're, you're happy in your, in your day to day, whatever that looks like. Um, And it's okay if that's not theater. 
Right. Or sometimes you just want to have the time to be able to do other things that you really want to do in life. Yeah. I think it's important to find the balance of living. Um, Right. The theater will be there. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, audition, they're always going to be there. And now I feel like it's much more easier and accessible to submit for stuff um, in a place where you don't let, like, I think they take, they, I think, I think post pandemic people take submission videos much more seriously than they used to. I, yeah, I haven't submitted for a bit, but I would hope that that's what we learned, right? Like let's open our viewpoint a little bit more and see the whole scope of what's out there. Right. Um, let's talk about your show. I, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I, would, I would love, like, if you um, would be so kind to sort of, like, walk us through your process of, like, why, like, what is your why? Like, why did you want to do this show? And how long has it taken you to sort of um, conceptualize it and, and figure out, like, what songs are you going to sing and what are you going to talk about it? And we can also talk about... Um, your like your director and then like where it's going to be like we I wish I was there because I would love to come and and see this it's like your own one woman show yeah it's wild and terrifying (laughs) um I uh I'm trying to think of where to start um so right uh around when 2020 broke the world, um, I had moved back to Chicago with the mindset of really trying to pursue theater again. And of course, this aligned just in time with theater not being a possibility. (laughs) So I had finally like gained that momentum. I was finally able to work out with my very supportive boss at the time, shout out Carly McGill, um, that I was able to like kind of flex my schedule, so to speak, so that I could start auditioning more. And I was very thankful. And it was an exciting opportunity because on paper, I was like working that full-time job. I was still auditioning. I was understudying a show. It was very exciting. And then the pandemic occurred And I really struggled with being creative during that time. I think a lot of people um, were able to hone in on their creativity. And for me, it was the exact opposite. Like I would put time blocks in my calendar just to be like, sing a song or read a play or go over a monologue. And I just truly couldn't like, There was such a mental block for me. And meanwhile, I was working for a theater. So it it was like very challenging to separate um, knowing what was happening in our world, like nine to five, trying to keep the lights on. And then internally being like, oh my gosh, like this is my passion and love and I can't do it right now. Um, like physically me. (laughs) Um, So 
cut to when things started to sort of resurface, I would see posts for auditions and like panic because I had this internal battle. Like, I know that I should be going for this in my brain of theatrical pursuit and why I'm here. But I also felt so underprepared. I like almost kind of like you mentioned earlier, like, how do I even do this? Like, like auditioning 101, what, what is this thing? Which is hilarious because essentially we're all professional auditioners. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't care if you're an artist or you get the contract or whatever, like our job is to audition. Yeah. So for something that I had spent so long understanding to feel this way was sort of alarming. And I knew there was a part of me that still needed and wanted and craved performing, but I didn't know how to make that happen in the way that I used to. Mm-hmm. And I was really self-conscious about my voice, um, specifically as the aforementioned vampires, uh, people in my head um, had said that I couldn't do it. So I had a few too many beverages with my boyfriend one night and he took my phone and wrote an email to my old or the person that I had been studying voice with right before the pandemic to see if I could just start just start going and like relearning that tool. Mm-hmm. And she of course was excited and wanted to work with me. And what ended up happening was I started these lessons and I was like, wow, this is the first time that I'm dictating what I'm doing because I've been taking voice lessons since probably middle school in some sense of the matter, Um, obviously more seriously in high school, but it was always for something. It was always for TMEA auditions or for college auditions or for the show I was singing in or for these very specific things. So I had never really taken a step back and been like, what is it that I want out of this that isn't for the 16 bar cut I have to sing next week? And so I had joked around actually about doing my own show and what it would be. And um, I like brought the idea to her and she was like, I think you should. And I was really hesitant about how to do that because I've never done that. It's also not my own work and I'm, I'm doing a lot of, you know, musical theater pieces and like, how do you link that together? What even is the story here? Like, who cares? <laughs> and then <laughs> I truly sat down one day and it all just came pouring out. And I created this storyline just about how to reclaim that joy and how to do it for you. And um, that's that's where we are. So um, it's just like an hour long show. It's got 
a nice mix of I'm spoiler doing like a whole uh, a whole audition medley situation which was like the joke that I was making um when this idea originated but I think it's like a really lovely story just about you can if you want to you can and that's yeah it's two in two weeks holy moly uh <laughs> Matt Casey uh also former former podcast guest is kindly lending his eye um because I knew that I didn't just want to get up there and having an outside person that you trust is always really mm-hmm. helpful so it's been like really fun to work with him um and he's just like bringing out a different side um which is what a director should do. And yeah, I think, I think that's it in a, in a nutshell. Is it, so is it like a one night only type situation? Yes, it sure is. Um, I rented out Davenport's in Wicker Park. Um, and it's yeah, a one night only cabaret show. It's about an hour. And 8 p.m. Friday, September 8th, coming to a cabaret near you. <laughs> <laughs> At Davenport's in Chicago. So friends, if, if you're in the area, <laughs> stop on by. Is like so I've never been there before. Is this sort of like a small venue? A lot like how like how many people does it seat? Yeah. Um, it's pretty small. It seats like 60 people. Oh, great. Um yeah, which I was like, okay, do I have 60 friends? Um, <laughs> but we're we're doing pretty well. Um, there are still some tickets available, but I'm shocked at how many people are coming. And um, it's a very cool, specifically designed for for like new works or, or bands in a small venue. So you walk in and it's mm-hmm. kind of a bar in the front and then party in the back uh cabaret space in the back so that's where the show will be and i believe you can still get tickets on eventbrite yes nice it's called the show is called but you can't sing an evening of song (laughs) but here i mean friends clearly like she can sing so you'll have to come and find out yeah, you'll have to come and find out what's going to happen at the show. Um, oh, my God. I'm so proud of you. Like, tr- like what an inspiration. Uh, I've always wanted to do a one-woman show. Um, I've actually always wanted to record an album, and I have a couple of different ideas for, like, different ones. Um, it just hasn't happened yet. I've got song lists written down. Um, I've got, like, stories to share. Uh yeah, and actually one, so my friend um, Zach Smith, so actually our our three-year anniversary of this podcast is coming up on Friday on September 1st, so friends, come back and listen to every year, me and Zach Smith, who is the sound editor and one of my best friends, we do like a little celebratory anniversary episode where we just talk about, I don't know, the last year, like talk about what's going on in our lives, talk about like what we're what's coming up in the podcast and or just really just talk about whatever we want to talk about um 
but we had this idea because he's uh, actually, he just graduated from Milliken with, yep. So again, full circle with his degree in music education. And now he is um, teaching music. Uh, and he's just like one of the kindest, most talented people I know. And we're like, should we do an album? And he was just like playing piano one day and I was singing. And this was like three years ago. Like it'll happen at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. But I wanted to do sort of the whole story of like me being a performer and then um, me you know, having a baby and then becoming a single mother and then getting out of a, a toxic situation and, and sort of like coming, coming home and like coming back to myself. Um, and also realizing that I think for so long you're taught, I think it's better now, hopefully, but when we were kids, we grew up with these Disney movies that were like, you need to get married and the love of your life, it needs to be a man and blah, blah, blah. And it certainly couldn't be yourself or your family or your friends or your career. You know, it couldn't be anything other than, than a, a man. I'm like, you know. Obviously. Um, <laughs> it's, oh, Disney. It's old. It's old. And so now what I realized is that like, clearly, like I would tell anyone, I even tell this to my boyfriend. I'm like, the love of my life is my daughter. Like, that's the clearly like that's the, I just look at her all the time and I'm just like oh, there she is the love of my life right there <laughs> so because she's turned me into a way 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 better human being I yeah I, there's no one way to do it and you're doing yeah. great like everyone is yeah and there's no there's no one right way to be an artist a hundred percent and, and like, seriously, no two paths are identical. They they just never will be. And if anyone is trying to out there is trying to tell you like, oh, well, you're not going to be successful, quote unquote, or you're not going to make it or, or this is what you need to do. I'd be like, well, first of all, like, who are you? Are, are Again, like, are you the god of theater? Like, <laughs> well, and even if you hear that, okay, you're not their person, but you're probably someone else's. Yeah. That's the subjectivity of our art. Um, it makes right. it challenging, but then really rewarding when you are that person. Yeah. Um, one of my newest questions on this podcast, because we took a break um, because I was like learning how to be a college professor back, back in the spring. And now I'm coming back like for my second semester um, in the fall, teaching three more classes. And I am, I'm always intrigued by leadership. And so like, what do you think makes an effective leader? And how do you think that our current leaders can just do a better job, can lead us with more empathy, compassion, understanding? Like what, like, because like, I don't know, because I feel like being a teacher, you are, and, and being a parent, you are in a role of leadership. So I always feel like I'm trying to just do better at it. Totally. Um, I think it comes down to vision, voice, and value. Ooh. And yeah, your three V's, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> I think that like what prompts a leader is that they believe so strongly in a vision that excites and gets other people on board and is like always taking you somewhere. And so that's what it starts with. 
And then I think they have to have a voice that can communicate effectively, um, not just vocally, but like through every medium, through their person, through their platform. Um, and also, you know, they have to connect, but they have to be willing to quiet their voice to gain insight at somewhere along the line. I think the worst leaders are when you you don't hear from anyone else and you're so tunnel visioned, right? Like mm-hmm. you need the support of others and they can only strengthen what your vision is. And then I think that leads to you have to value the people around you and make them feel their worth in order to get them on board. Like it's all just around circle. But um, if you're just squashing on people and not actually valuing them and their work, then you're not a very good leader. Mm-hmm. So say, so it's vision, voice, and value. value. Vision, voice, and value. I love that. Did you come up with that yourself? Just today. Amazing. <laughs> it's amazing what half a cup of coffee will do on a Sunday morning. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I I always like to end with like a favorite theater story or memory it can be anything that stands out sometimes people have shared some like crazy things that have happened or funny things or even things that have been like really heartfelt and meaningful do you have a favorite Uh, story that is is coming to you today oh my gosh I'm sure like a million um Yeah, I, I well, okay, to end on a through line, I guess. I remember um a show, I you know, like first day of schools, right? Like everyone's like first day of school when you, you snap that Instagram of your script or whatever. Um I've always loved that first initial rehearsal. Um, I think people bring so many different kinds of energy and, um, sometimes it can be intimidating. Uh, sometimes it can be joyful because you're seeing people you've worked with before. Um, but there's always this hunger that like, we're about to start something. And I remember, um, we had gone through like the opening number or something. And I remember the music director just saying, okay everyone look up, like pull your books down. You're already here. You made it. There is no competition anymore. You've been chosen to be here. And it was this moment of just like everyone being able to drop their guard and like even unknowing competitive, you know, I got to sing a little louder. So this person next to me here is like, it was just this really beautiful moment of being like, you're right. Like I was chosen to be here just like the rest of you all in whatever capacity that means. And it was a really lovely sentiment that I like to, to remember just when you book the show or, or whatever you've been chosen just as you are um, to be there and to bring what you you do best and it's there's no comparison 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Um, okay, so I think we should say like like one more time to sum up the the show information. So it is sure. Friday night, right? September eighth. September eighth at eight p.m. at eight p.m. at Davenport's. Yes, and that's in Wicker Park on Milwaukee. Great, and then there is so if you go to Eventbrite. Mm-hmm. Eventbrite and search either my name, Melissa Rosenberg, or, but you can't sing an evening of song. I guarantee you no one's ever called their show that. Um, <laughs> you should be able to find it. Um, Davenport's also has like their own landing Eventbrite page. So you could go there and look at upcoming shows. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And friend, this is coming up. You know what I mean? It's It's like in a week and a half now at this point so um please go support you know what i mean like like support these um like sure you you could go and see the wicked tour for the seventh time or you could go and see it you could go and see it you know what i mean but it's like when you go and see these like smaller like original productions i just think that there's more heart to them and they're I don't know they're more like yes we love Wicked but you know we've seen it 17 times so like go like like go go support these artists who are out there who are maybe in smaller venues who are creating their own original work who are doing their one-person shows um because I think you're gonna have a much more intimate experience with shows like that thanks Sarah of course, of course. This this podcast is here to support the, the I, I say the theater community, but really not even that. Like, I think it extends beyond that. And it's, it's to su- just support artists out there in the world, like in any sort of capacity on any side of this business. Like there isn't just one side. There isn't one right way to do it. There's like, I don't even know, 876 sides, you know, like. And At least. Yeah. And so I like to highlight um, people all over the world who are just just doing it, doing things. Um, and I also know like you and I have both struggled with because like we did perform, like we we both went to, you know, theater school, theater college and got the degree and did the thing and auditioned and did a bunch of shows and whatever. And then I think we both sort of went through a period of time. Like, I think we need to, and I think I, we're going to talk about this on the um, anniversary episode coming up, sort of embracing like being in the messy middle of your life. A hundred percent. That's yeah. And you can't avoid it. <laughs> no, you got to You got to go into the mess dive. Like, this is not the podcast. It's like not before and after. (laughs) (laughs) Instagram versus reality. No, no. (laughs) Yeah. Like this, like we're like in the middle of it. And guys, like half the time, I have no idea what I'm doing. So back at you. And I just wish if we could just be more honest about that and more vulnerable and just admit that. I, I think that it creates way more connection with everybody and isn't that the whole point of the arts in the first place is to connect the world one can only hope <laughs> through sharing these honest stories so yeah um i'm just so proud of you thank thank, thank you so much like thank you for doing this uh i think you're going to inspire a lot of people who are out there who thought the same thing as you that were like oh, well, like i have this idea but i have no idea how to do it or how to create it or how to format it or 
what then or how where to perform it or even how to like get the money to do it or and I they're gonna see you putting it all together and doing this whole thing and then and then they're gonna do it so um thank you for inspiring people thank you for like like having a vision and like and like taking the action and going through with it even if you're not 100% confident or maybe you are nervous or you know what I mean but like you're still doing it because you just feel passionately about it um and thank you for taking the time to come be a guest and chat with me today about it it was so fun and I can't wait to listen to your album when (laughs) you get the time to do it because you can (laughs) yeah it'll probably like a casual like 10 years from now just one random day it'll just like (laughs) I can't wait show up yeah (laughs) (laughs) um best of luck with your show um give Matt Casey a big kiss and a hug from me absolutely (laughs) and um you're doing amazing things so thank you so much thanks Sarah back at ya